Republic Beta Podcast, episode 93. Was that Resident Evil 4? No, it was no. no <laughs> Howdy, stranger. <laughs> what are you buying? Uh, we, uh, we're here in the office. Yeah, have you uh, seen... another Tuesday check-in show. Have you seen those Resident Evil 4 VR videos of, like, the guy just goes up to the merchant and, like, caresses his face? Just starts caressing his face. Yeah. Yes, that is... Uh, if I'm going to watch anybody play VR, it's someone who has the wherewithal to, when they see another NPC, to, like, hold them by the face <laughs> or give them a little hug, yeah. like a fist bump or something. That's the VR content I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, yeah so myself, Lee, and Reed are here. We're, we're doing a Tuesday check-in. Usually we do, we've been liking to do the weekend shows, kind of take our time. Winner's busy, though. Uh, winner is busy. That's right. That's a, That was the tagline of uh, Game of Thrones. Winner is busy. Yeah. Um, Remember, remember Game of Thrones? Fuck, remember when I, you could mention it in a in, in a conversation? Wouldn't I remember not just loving like, Game of Thrones? The, the go away heat of yeah. Game Welcome of Thrones. to the Game of Thrones shitting on podcast. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we're mostly playing the same things. I've talked Reed into getting Skyrim Anniversary Edition. Yeah, to try, uh, I, I gave more bullshit. money. Gave yeah. more money to Todd. Todd bought another another <laughs> button for it his just jacket. works. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. Yeah, when he said it just works, Lee, he wasn't talking about the game mechanics. He meant every time he releases Skyrim, it yeah. always it ends just up. works. Yeah, uh, like no one's ever really that pissed off it about it. Just sells. It. <laughs> uh, so that's so like there's a philosophical conversation to be had that we've been kind of like pussyfooting around this entire podcast. It's just like do Skyrim as a feature game. And it's just like what the fuck is there to say? Other than digging into specific quests and things we like. Uh, but I'll tell you the thing I like about an Elder Scrolls game. And it's what the survival mode in this anniversary edition provides. And I see that you are a man of fine taste as well. Oh, or, yeah. Or someone who enjoys what it gives you as well. And and it's, it's taking this game world that's massive. But that you over ten years have made as small as possible. With fast traveling and min-maxing. And trying to, okay, I'm going to make this character build. That means I need to go do these quests. Get these things. Uh, do this, do that. Yeah, I'm immediately gonna uh, go to. I'm immediately gonna go yeah. right one. Get to the stables. Go to uh, uh, Winterhold. Fucking yeah. visit the Aratino kid. Go to the Dark Brotherhood. Bam! Now I got twenty grand. <laughs> kill his, kill his orphanage. Yeah, uh, suplex Grelka. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In front of the kids, you, <laughs> yeah, you give like, her a fucking, you give her a Death Valley driver. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Double underhook DDT. Yeah. <laughs> Someone throws you two Nord means. Uh, so uh, the the thing about that is we laugh always. Like you've made so many characters, you make so many runs of the game, and why is it so hard to stick with one character and blah blah blah? It's just because it's 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 not that it's too much at one time. It's just like it's one of those games where people always talk about the concept of if you could expunge any game from your memory and play it again for the first time, what game would it be? And when it comes to a game like Skyrim, it's like, oh, man, but if I'm like uh, a little Applehead coming back to this game and I don't know all these things, it's it's not that it's a waste of time. It's why am I – why do I want that? What? And I think survival mode provides that. It's taking the familiar. You know everything about this game. Yeah. But now we're stripping away fast travel. We're making it so these items that before were throwaways like food and like potions for the most part and ingredients – uh, and stuff like that. We're making those important. We're making sleep important. Item uh, management with weight limits. Yes, important. increased li- weight limits. And it all sounds terrible to someone who's just like, well, why would you want the game to be so restrictive? Harder. But the restrictions ma- fundamentally change the way you play the game. And ca- case in point, the first thing I'm doing in my in my game is running through the main story as much as I can. Well, the issue with that becomes they ask you to travel the, the entire map. 
Right, and uh, because of that, yes. your journey, for example, to go get the horn of Jorgen Windcaller, that's right. All of a sudden, feels like an actual an journey. Yes. Where like uh, before, it'd be like, okay, I'm just gonna like fast travel to Markarth. I'm there in two seconds. Yeah, you just uh, walk out of town. You're like, here I am. Yeah, now <laughs> yeah. it's like this, and I went to a bigger discussion that we have, yeah. and that's everything feels important now in a sense. Yes. Um, whereas before, if I was finished a quest, immediately fast travel back and get your rewards. But it's not as simple as that anymore. You have to make sure that you have enough supplies to make the journey back. Yes. Maybe you're going to run into a lot of things that you've never really experienced before in Skyrim or something like that. Like, if you find, like, a shack now in survival mode, yeah. that means so much. Well, it could be like, oh, is there, like, a fire? Like, yeah, yeah. Is there a cooking, cooking pot, pot there? Yeah, is there a bed there? <laughs> yeah. Like, might there be more food and yeah. ingredients? I could take, like, literally anything. And then I it's like, use. I'm going to be back here at some point. So you take note and you're like, oh, there is a halfway point here. So I don't need to necessarily worry. Have I slept? Have I cooked something? Because there, there is a stop in, right? Yeah. And then, like, then, then the RPing is up to you. Like, I prefer to try to sleep regular hours in the game uh, and then usually you have a level up by then anyway so it's worth again to, to you level up when you sleep uh, and sometimes that'll mean you're leveling up multiple times that, that's something very yeah. interesting I would probably need for myself anyway to download a mod that's that Oblivion worked right? Oblivion you level you up level to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah no but I meant um, as far as the time goes I would need something that's constantly telling me the time because I don't want to keep pressing the wait button I just check the wait button yeah just click it yeah, I, I, it's yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm too efficient for that shit yeah. um, but I do like that idea and yeah, I look where the sun is in the yeah, sky yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I, I absolutely love survival mode for what it brings to the table in that regard it does feel very fresh it, it feels great to to set out and walk uh, and then follow the roads and read the signs and just be like, I'm, I'm going. So as you mentioned with this horn thing, so you climb all the way up the mountains to see the graybeards. They give you whirlwind sprint and they give you the next level of Fusrida. And then they say, okay, if, you, if you're taking this seriously, you got to go get this horn. Then you look on the map and you see, oh, shit, it's by Morthal or whatever. And you have a couple options. You can, you can hoof it all the way there. Even from where the graybeards are, you could do that big loop in survival mode. Probably not a good idea, especially because you're probably carrying so much at that point. Uh, so you can go to Iverstead and try to make some inventory or whatever. Leave some stuff in a barrel there because you're going to be coming back to the Greybeards anyway. Uh, and then you can go to go to Whiterun, which is your nearest major city. And then you can take the carriage ride uh, to Morthal. So you can't fast travel to Morthal, but yeah, you can. But, and once you yeah. get to Morthal, though, no carriage is there, however. Right. So if you are going to Morthal, you have to walk from there and everything like that. Uh, so so it, yeah, yeah, it slows it down. It lets you appreciate the little bits in between. All these painstaking little things that were put into Skyrim that in 10 years I've like I here I am at this shack the shack has always been in the game I've never seen it before and is it significant to your enjoyment of Skyrim no however all those little things added up make you feel like you're playing a game for the first time right uh, even though you are in fact playing very well trodden yeah. ground in a game like Skyrim. And I can only speak from personal experience, but a yeah. lot of the lost turf of Skyrim went away because, like you said before, I found myself constantly being like, I want to do an immersive role-playing kind of playthrough this time, but I constantly know in the back of my head, it's like, okay, I could fast shell the right one. Yeah, quickly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. quickly sell this, I'm going to go to Mark Karth and quickly do that. There's only so many hours in the day, right? If I got two hours to play this game right now, why am I spending 30 minutes walking somewhere for no, like, right. this way the game is like, no, 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 you, you are being shackled to having to do this. It's part of playing this game. 
and then you find yourself just being like, yeah, I want to go for a walk in the woods, essentially. Yeah, and by uh, proxy, everything feels bigger because yes. of it. Now I'm doing everything with a purpose as opposed to mindlessly wandering. Yeah. Because now I always need something. Um, so, like, in this case, I chose a playthrough where I started just on a random farm in the middle of the reach. I didn't obviously start with a whole ton besides a lot of food. So I'm like, okay, the nearest hold is white run which is like easily like a two or three day journey so i have to pack up all my food essentially and go out there into the dangers on the main road and eventually make my way there it felt more fulfilling than like doing the entire dark brotherhood quest line in two hours like during like a regular playthrough i would back in the day yeah Um, it's uh it reminds me of the first time i played oblivion got my xbox 360 and i was sure this is the within months of the 360 existing this is back when it was red ringing yeah, yeah. and i myself went through four xboxes and holy like 13 shit. copies of oblivion or something it was fucking ridiculous anyway um but the first weekend but that first weekend <laughs> let me tell you uh, i was doing the towel trick anything to keep it going so uh you would keep your hard drive you would turn in the console and then you would keep the hard drive and you get your brand new console i opened think of it opened five xboxes you know when you open your new console and it's like a little bit of a moment you're like ah We'll be spending a lot of hours with you for yeah, the next yeah. four or five years. It was like, no, every other weekend, it was basically like, ah, another Xbox for the for the fire. Uh, so uh, when you first started Oblivion, like I, again, we just talk about approaching a game and not knowing things like fast travel. In Oblivion, you can go between all the major cities with fast travel right from the beginning of the game. Uh, so regardless of what you want to do as, as the prisoner in the Imperial City, you can immediately, I'm just going to Breville and I'm just going to go hang out with the fucking lizard people or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that, so I thought like Oblivion starts you in the in the biggest city in the game, and kind of says like, okay, go. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I want I want to take in the sights. I want to learn what I can do. What are my what, what like a GTA game? What can I do? How can I interact with this game world? And then I learn that there's a steel mechanic. I learn that I can lock pick my way into stores. And this is something that just like once you know Oblivion, you're like, ah, yeah, but stealing's not worth it because then you got to fence it and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But at, when you first start playing that game and you realize I can break into the store, I can steal everything without yeah, paying for cool anything. Shit. You're like, holy shit! Um, accidentally murder a guard, and then the Dark Brotherhood shows up and they're like, go over here and you can join. I'm like, what's that about? That's so right. intriguing. And, I want to. Yeah, and uh, the, the excitement, excitement yeah. of like you don't even like obviously you don't plan a build because you don't know what the fuck a build is in these right. games yet. Yeah. So, and, that, and Oblivion's a game that gives you a class. You actually decide on a class when you start the game, too. You yeah, yeah. You can make your own custom. Like, I yeah. distinctly remember my first Skyrim playthrough. Just pick an orc, because I'm like, orcs are cool. Yeah. And it was constantly just like, this weapon looks cool. I'll put it in my right hand. And I guess I'll put a different weapon in my left hand, because why not? Yeah. And it just literally <laughs> the only two things that use heavy armor and dual wield the entire game. But hey, I digress. Everyone Skyrim. Makes, everyone makes their own fun. Yeah, that's about all the Skyrim we need to talk about. Uh, what we're trying to say is... Uh, sometimes uh, we're going to talk about the opposite of this in a second but sometimes shackling your experience with something like this is a way to uh, what's the word I'm looking for artificially give yourself that feeling of coming to a game for the first time another game that has that is Pokemon Pearl and Diamond these remakes they th- there's something very cozy about them they're like I remember all of this and yet I remember none of it every time I come to a new town I'm like oh absolutely I remember this town but it, it's like almost in a dream because you're like right I that's a little bit different. Because you never played them, right? Right. So. That's a little bit different. Yes. And because of that, I can offer a different perspective. I think it's a little bit different because plain and simple, these games are just better than Sword and Shield. Yes. Like, it's a big yeah, difference just, because this game is... The pacing as a Pokemon game, it's crazy how different yeah, Pearl and because, Diamond are. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it has 
the there's a reason why so many Pokemon games had the eight gym leaders, the rival team, yeah. the rival player, because it makes for a well-paced video game. Um, there's a reason why it didn't work in Sword and Shield because there's too many big moments in between the breaks. Yeah. Especially with that wild area, for example, and you can too easily just go on power level because of that. Um, this is purposely made in a sense of players going here next and they're going to go here then they go here then they get access to yeah. this which they can go here and do that it's never too much at any one time or anything like that yeah. and there's lots of stuff to go out there and discover optional content that you saw in earlier generations which once again not in sword and shield like mount coronet there's a ton of that to explore that yeah. you just don't need to very you get, similar. You get the HM moves, and it's like, oh, I can move boulders now. And it's yeah. just like, the game isn't immediately requiring you to move boulders, but you remember there was a cave with boulders. Yes, exactly. You want to go back there? You have fly now. You can. Yeah. Uh, the reason fundamentally why this game is better than Sword and Shield is because this was designed to be as fun as possible with the <laughs> systems in place. And that's why it was the same way for so many years. Yes. And then Sword and Shield came around, and it just felt like they want they it felt like they wanted to do an open world pokemon but they like were only kind of way there and then they're like and also we're really sick of gen leaders and like rival teams and all these things it's like i i get why you are and you need to shake that things up but this was not the alternative because this is just well, boring but even like sun and moon was a better example of a quote-unquote open world i think not obviously it isn't but yeah. like of giving you a sense of scale of something bigger to explore while still keeping that core those core yeah but like to like, quote uh Attack of the Clones behind the scenes. Every, sure. In Pearl and, and Diamond, everything is so <laughs> dense. There's so much packed into every That's single right. frame. That's right. Um, so, like, it's so much easier to go to different towns and talk to every NPC now. And now, because of that, you do want to go and do it. Yeah. Um, because everything's interconnected, it makes the world feel bigger, even though it's technically smaller. Because Sword and Shield is just up, circle, up, circle and it feels sure. very small because of that you can't actually believe a lot of people live you're like how the fuck i mean that's england for you though right like what it's based on it's just <laughs> like that's europe it's just like you go north and then you get to the other country and that's pretty much the end of the world right but like uh you, but there's never <laughs> like a, there's yeah. never like three towns in the middle of other three towns and stuff like that, that yeah. you would still find anyway um um but yeah there's there's Yes, there's a quaintness. There is a sense in the Pearl and Diamond games that this is a region, and it is a region. Sinnoh is the, uh, as Arceus is, is in Sinnoh too, right? So it's something traditional uh, that this technology all still exists in this world, but it's uh, kind of dialed back and kind of backwater uh, in these games. Even when you go to the bigger cities and stuff like that, it's like, oh, this is like a mining city. Oh, this is like, okay, here's, here's your more bustling uh, city kind of stuff. I like it. Anyway... What else is there to talk about? Halo Infinite is out tomorrow. The campaign is out tomorrow. Oh my god! Reviewing very well. Obviously, the multiplayer has been uh, been making waves. They're adding that Slayer playlist, so everybody will be happy. Uh, the campaign sounds like a lot of fun. Obviously, you can't play co-op just yet, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but by all accounts, it is a faux open world um, Halo game. There are story missions. There are side missions. Uh, the part part of the side missions would be you unlock a weapon in that area. For example, it's like oh, when I come back here, I have a plasma sword I can always pick up or something like that. Uh, you can't replay the story missions. That kind of story is going around, but the idea there would be you just do multiple playthroughs on different difficulties, I guess. Yeah. And the idea would also be like, hey, play this through once and then maybe just leave it until the, the co-op comes out. Because I'm very curious of how that's integrated. Like if it's four master chiefs, like just cruising the like how far away from each other can you get in a faux open world and stuff like that. 
a lot of questions, uh, and that's probably why it's delayed, to be completely honest with you. I don't know how that's all going to work, but uh, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to, to playing a Halo campaign. Yeah, no, the Halo stories uh, yeah. are always solid, the campaigns. Well, let's not say that, because, uh, like, Halo 4 and 5 are just okay, co- co- sorry. already forgettable. Sorry, yes. yes. Majority of Halo games, all the ones made by Bungie, yes, <laughs> have been sure. really yeah. awesome. Well, Reach was... 343, three, wasn't it? Nope. No, it was still Bungie? Still Bungie. Right. It was their last one. And a lot of people say the best one. Reach? Yeah. yeah. Reach was very good. Um, I Definitely some of the story moments. Like, like I fucking... One of my unintentionally hilarious uh, cutscene moments ever in gaming is in Halo Reach, where the female squad member of your team literally just, like, you're running, music's exciting, snipe shot to the head, immediately start playing the <laughs> piano sad song. You're like, What? <laughs> Like if yeah if yeah if you're going for like the surprise kill thing you can't like yeah. immediately cut to like like TNA like gotcha like yeah, yeah the TNA level level of su- subtlety like yeah. like you can't immediately try to jerk us tears when we haven't had a split second to process this you don't even know what happened yeah I like w- like running <laughs> all around me <laughs> and that's what they're looking for right that was gears though that did the the mad world thing that's it? that was the yeah. joke they're doing another uh, they're doing another stop motion commercial for that game i assume let's talk about gamer crimes gamer crimes for well, we're gonna ask uh for submissions from the listenership uh that's been slacking lately uh we want to hear your gamer crimes what's a gamer crime reed well let's talk about it uh we can say right at the top of the list would be something like stream uh screen watching or stream watching that's a thing that exists now backseat too. gaming Backseat gaming, it's pretty bad. Uh, backseat gaming, I, I want to put that on parents who have little kids. You ever see parents who like games give their kids a video game? It's the worst fucking shit on the, on the fucking planet. Like, <laughs> you give a kid Super Mario Brothers for the first time and you want to point out every secret to them. It's just like, how would you just let them fucking figure no, out play the fucking that's game? That's why I probably can never watch anybody play Final Fantasy Tactics because I'll, be, I'll just be like, no, it's not. This guy's fucking up. Yeah, it's not the way. It's not even attacking from behind. <laughs> straight on well, that's basic accuracy's yeah it's basic but if someone wasn't doing it you'd want to say something right that's what they always say is uh, if you're lost in the woods take a deck of cards with you start playing solitaire and you'll have someone over your shoulder in five minutes uh so we got to talk about rod oh and, and uh, Sh- shimigami tensei 5 you're telling me that shimigami tensei 5 has paid dlc for level ups well like so they have uh, a level of thing in that like <laughs> Fuck, I freak. Like, you on about everything. You played the game. No, everything Shimigami has, like, the weird names, right? Sure. So, like, I never remember. It's what is the function of the thing? I don't need to know the name of it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was. It's one of two things. It's either level just, up juice. It's either straight up, yeah, level up juice or it's your <laughs> currency, but you can kind of use currency to. Okay, but that being said, Shimigami Tensei 5, this is news to me, has eShop items in game. For, for for gold essentially yeah basically okay so Roderick got sick of grinding because Persona doesn't have that you can't buy yen in Persona or experience I don't think, I don't so, think so no but you can buy like outfits and yeah shit hell like yeah that. you can and you can buy you can buy Persona like you can buy Personas right like you can get like the um you can get like the Persona Four so, uh, Izanagi and everything but. Yes, yeah, so he paid for essentially this money because money in the game will allow you to summon uh, demons from your compendium sure. that's able to fuse stuff. Yeah. Demons are very expensive to summon. Right. Um, so you can just inadvertently make really powerful personas, especially with the level up mechanic. 
thus so this bypassing saves a lot you of the grind. grind. Yeah, right. it saves yeah. a lot of grinding. It's so, it's kind of like what I equate to is going to DMC five and buying the five million orb pack. But this isn't like he if he would just sit down and play the game, the grind. There's nothing he bought that he wouldn't be able yeah, to get no, for free. Yeah, it would just yeah. been like like he probably just saved himself like three, four, six right. hours of whatever. So he he looked at the transaction. He looked at let's just say it's twenty dollars. The the real joke would be we learned what it was he spent it. It was like forty dollars or something. It was like yeah. ten dollars an hour. Uh, and it's just like you're basically paying to not play the game. And I'm right. My, the question is 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 that a gamer crime? Why are you playing the game then? You just want to experience the story. Go watch it on well, the internet. Yeah, he because he did say uh, I kind of just wanted to beat the game eventually. Yeah, but is he? He's already playing on the easiest difficulty. No, no, he's already. There's. I'm pretty sure there's only like one difficulty, but it's just on normal. But the gamer crime thing is a thin, a thin step, a thin line away, a thin step uh, from the you're playing the game wrong uh, argument, which is just like if you play the if you play X game on. The idea that if they ever put a difficulty switch in Dark Souls, that there would be gatekeepers that said if you're not playing on the Miyazaki classic difficulty, then then beating the game doesn't count. There's that crowd that exists, and they exist. We can't uh, we can't ignore them. Uh, so from Rod's point of view, if because there is difficulty levels in SMT5, right? I think so. <laughs> Have you played I, the game? <laughs> no, I dude, I did. It's just uh, I started it like when you select all these options. I yeah. started it already weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think there is a difficulty option i don't remember there being like an easy option it might right. have been like normal and hard so what about fucking hard so anyway. what about an exploit blood bloodborne famously in its first couple months of release had a huge exploit where you could get unlimited blood that's that's very different in my opinion um so even if you did it so in that game you could go grind on on, on monsters I guess that's not that blood. different no like but this is like you're leveling up no I, I don't I don't even like blame Rod all that much because no. I, I understand when it comes to something especially like a Shin Megami Tensei JRPG yes. which is like at a certain point you know you're just gonna be sitting there mashing the A button with the same enemies for four hours to get enough experience or money to but do but you're learning <laughs> Whereas something in Bloodborne would be different, where you can actively always have fun gaining those souls. Um, right. So Red Dead Redemption, uh, you can buy the online mode. You can buy gold, and gold's essentially the whole reason you're playing Red Dead Redemption is is the cosmetics of it. Is right. The, right. Uh, where that's yes. something different, where you might find more enjoyment from having these guns right away sure. or these cosmetics right away, as the, opposed the to the having fun to will wait keep for you playing. It. But then, so I bought. There's a there's always like an entry level one, right? So I bought the like super cheap gold pack just to buy the first outlaw pass. But then if I kept rolling on the outlaw passes, I got my gold back. So basically, that becomes if I could just buy the gold to buy these outlaw passes, if there was stuff I wanted in it. But the idea of earning this stuff for free, like a Destiny season pass, right? You pay one fee and then you get all that shit. You're like, oh well, I'm spending this. When you see a season pass, you're like, I've already unlocked all this stuff. I just need to pay to get it. That's kind of gross, but it, it works. It's very efficient, especially when you're giving away free stuff at each tier too. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's really like how much fun is is the grind. So in SMT5, as you said, uh, there there's a level of skill you gain by, like in MMOs. So an MMO just gives you a late game character now. If you went and played World of Warcraft for some reason, the game is just going to no, give you're not, you an you're, end game you're character. not learning anything by grinding, by grinding late game in Shin Megami Tensei. You learn everything you need to learn about the game early on, which is weaknesses. You don't gain anything enjoyment or personal-wise from grinding in a game like that, 
Which is why you don't blame Rod for skipping a lot of that grind. Right. Um, Let's look at a mechanic in JRPGs in particular. The encounter blocker. A lot of JRPGs, like at, let's say, the turn of the century, started putting in some kind of mechanic where you could negate random encounters. Okay. So you basically could throttle when you battled something. Right, and then that brings up the question, like, then what even is experience points? Because, like, right. you can dictate when and when you don't when get it. When you get it. them and when you don't get them. So why, like, so there's a there's a discussion to be had, and why don't we cut out the middleman and just give me the experience points? Well, like, okay, so in Final Fantasy VIII, Diablo gives you the no encounters, but... If you've got the no encounters on, Squall doesn't level up. That's an advantage to you as a as a pro player. Yes, let's say. yeah, I like the yeah. way that games like Final Fantasy eight or ten handled it, which is like you need to get certain items to put it and apply it to a single thing that yeah. you can have equipped sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because Octopath Traveler has one where it's just like less encounters, not no encounters. But then you're like, okay, well, at less encounters, am I grinding enough if I fight everybody that I come across? Right. Uh, and but, that game also perpetuates itself in that if you get into battle, if you're managing your party properly, you never have to rest because you're constantly managing your meters. So two things for yes. that. Uh, first, I think there's two other ways that games can handle it, which is one, the Bravely Default method, which is we're straight up just going to give you an option. Here's multiple encounter rate options. Yeah. Like off, 100%. Don't tap that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 200%, 500%, like however much it is. Yeah. So what you would do in that is go to the end of a dungeon, get all the treasures, do all the puzzles, get to the end right before the boss, you would just turn it back on right. 500% and grind for a bit. I don't mind that. It does present like the, like why are you making dungeons then? Because I'm not really appreciating it as much. Sure. But it does get rid of a lot of the frustration of like, I took 10 fucking steps and I got to get another battle. Yeah. Um, I think the best... It's the worst when you forget which direction you were headed and then you backtrack a little bit and get into another battle and you're like, well, I'm wasting 15 minutes Yeah, the best method is the modern JRPG. Where you see the enemy. Where you see the enemy in the field, such as Shin Megami Tensei, Persona. And you have the option to engage or not engage. And sometimes they get you. Yes, yes, exactly. There should always be a chance that you get into a battle if you don't want to, but in this case, it's very lessened. You mostly have control when you want to go into a battle. But then there's other factors that can affect it, such as if you get the initiative by hitting them first or they hit right. you first. So it creates a... Because sub- in, like, in older, like, the original Final Fantasy, you only had so many casts of your spells and stuff yeah. like that. So the idea would be we keep hitting you with random encounters and you either escape or you don't or you stand and fight. But there's a danger that you're actually ex- expending yourself to the point where you will lose the game and lose all of that progress. Yeah. That, that used to be the, the difficulty of a JRPG. It's just like... No, there's no save point, so you have to survive from here to there. Yeah. Uh, now, like that difficulty has been way lessened, and I feel like the difficulty in a JRPG comes more from uh, planning. Yeah, and make than, it, than did, execution. Yeah. Did I yeah. have? Do I have enough resources? Did I actually do enough yeah. grinding? Do I know the, boss? the boss's weakness? Am I set up to resist? Yeah. The oh, other I need spells? to do more yeah. grinding. Let I'm yes. gonna go find a specific area with specific enemies and make sure I'm tactical enough to hit them first, so the right. grinding's easier. And yeah, so I think something like so, and I think the natural progression of that too is what we need next is a seamless battle transition. Sure. So as soon as you hit an enemy, it automatically brings out your other characters without having to have a cutscene transition, and it brings you guys in turn-based mode. I don't know if Legends Arceus is doing that, but probably not. I think I think it's like Chrono Trigger. So you're or, or like no, you know what? Did you play Nino Kuni? No, Chrono Trigger is seamless battle transition. Yeah, That's what but I, I think Nino Kuni is more like it. So there'll be like a transition, and then you'll be like. I think you're in the same field, but your Pokemon would come out, and then you can move around a certain area. 
Yeah. And your Pokemon is independent of you. So Nino Kuni was like that. Yeah, listen, like, I really like FF12. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be kind of like that. Uh, I think it'll be sort of like that. The thing about FF12 is just like, it didn't hit real hard, so they did try it again. They tried it with offshoots, so like there's a game called Infinite Undiscovery, and there was like Last Remnant and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like those kind of tried a hybrid version of it, where it's just like seamless battle transition, or like action battle but they've never they've never really gone back to it. Action Battle Man. Action Battle Man. Captain Final Bosch. Fantasy fourteen is seamless. Final Fantasy fourteen. Right, is... but that's a, that's an MMO though. That I'm no, talking... sorry, I mean fifteen. Right, but that's an action game like yeah. It's like well, Kingdom Hearts, right? You're saying it's more character action in that there's an enemy, go hit it with your sword. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> like because twelve is like no, I'm gonna input a bunch of commands and manage three characters at once while they mostly just automate themselves. It's a bit different. Reed, you release a platform, a huge platform game, a live service game, and it's underperforming. Reed, you released Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and uh, for whatever reason, it didn't catch on like your other uh, games like this. This, and you're you're wondering what to do with it. There's still a player base there, but it's your it's the last rung of your live service games and your Ubisoft. What do you do? And is the answer? Put NFTs in the game. I don't know uh, what NFTs are. Uh, non-fungible tokens. It's a, f- a form of internet currency. It is a, 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 for lack of a better term, it's a bunch of internet power reserved for an image or something that you've earned that therefore has a uh, value to it. So I've, oh. I've reserved a certain amount of the blockchain worth, let's say, $30,000. And I've attributed that to this picture of a monkey you bought that monkey for $30,000. Here's the proof of that monkey NFT existing on the blockchain. It is yours. It is a JPEG of a monkey. It's yours. I don't. I still don't it. understand, really, uh, but go for it, man. So, so like anything having value. Obviously, we're uh, older, so we, we think tangible, physical things should have... Even look at... Uh, Are you just saying, like, hey, motherfucker, these fries... Yes. I paid $30,000 for these fries, so you have to pay me $30,000 for it. Would it make more sense to pay $30,000 for real fries or a picture of fries, I think is the question, is the... is the. Okay, so yeah. it's like me... How do I know what you paid for those fries? How do I know you paid $30,000 so for those fries? So it's like you went onto eBay and bought a boat from me, and yes. I sent you a picture of the boat, and you're like, you own this. Yeah. It's here's just your a, boat. Here's your boat. Here's a photo as evidence. Here's here's the blockchain reserved. Here's the the proof that this boat is actually a form of like internet currency. So why like what happened to just like contracts? What do you mean? Like if you owned a <laughs> boat, an awful job explaining yeah, this. I'm if just you, trying to if make you it had a boat, boat, like wouldn't she just get paperwork that says I own the fucking boat? You like, get like a deed to like the boat. a registration. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. here here we're not buying a physical boat. Here we're buying a again a picture of a boat worth maybe what the boat was worth in real life. But who is saying these... Why would anybody buy... Everybody is agreeing it's worth that based on the the blockchain and based on, like, but, the currency. But it's a picture of a boat. Right. That's the part that, that where people get hung up is just, like, it's nothing. Yeah, but, like, a Bitcoin is nothing. It's a number in your in your wallet. Right? So it's just, like, I have... If I have 0.00005 of a but Bitcoin... I, but I can do stuff with Bitcoin and with money. I can't do something with a picture of a boat. Right. It's, like, a it's like a 
it's an asset. It's like a thing you have in your house. Like having a painting in your yeah, house. Yeah, like I could say anything is worth 50 grand, but that doesn't mean it's fucking true. Well, the the part where it's worth 50 grand is that it's valued at that based on the amount of space that's taken on the blockchain, based on the amount of power that has gone into creating it, and based on the amount of money you were willing to pay for it. That's fucking stupid. So people were buying like pictures of memes and being like, no, I own this meme now. I own the, I own the, the template for this meme and I paid $270,000 for it. And it's like, how do you prove it? The person who... Uh, created the meme basically yes reserve that that space it is now an nft here it is it's this meme uh and now you can see publicly that this was sold to this guy for this if you want to buy that meme from him this is what he paid for it and he's probably not going to accept lower than that will these things de be devalued i don't know how that works uh because like a bit a bitcoin has gone up in value one bitcoin now is worth astronomically more than what it was when they, they first came on the scene right so the idea now read will be, it's the buzzword. Everybody wants the NFT. I want the NFTs. I need any more NFTs. I got to put them on a folder on my, on my, on my PC. Uh, that games are pivoting into a like play to earn. That like while you're playing the game, you are generating these things on, on some minuscule level. So before when you used to unlock like an avatar or something on an Xbox or something like that, you'd be like, oh, here's, here's an achievement and you beat the game. So here's uh, a Marcus Phoenix avatar that you can put on your gamer tag or whatever. Yeah. Now, now those things have like, a tradable value so think of it like like steam stuff you know when you're on steam and you get the credit trading cards people trade those trading cards for real money it's pennies like it's like a quarter here or 30 cents there but there's a value to them in that you had to have earned them you can't just create them unless you trade in gems okay if sure. you think of it that way yeah, yeah so sure. so what are they worth to you they're worth nothing to you you right. should sell them just to have money in your steam wallet but to someone else who's trying to like make the badges and stuff like that they need that one card you have and it does have a value to you to them okay yeah sure that's this, uh, that's so that's kind of what this is, except now it's like more nefarious because the, like the term NFT is being being thrown around, and the gaming industry is kind of uh, at odds about it. Like you have uh, you know Phil Spencer out there being like, "This is awful. This is not a direction gaming should head in," uh, etc. Um, there was that whole thing with that Cooking Mama game from a couple years ago where it was like using the power of people's switches while it was turned on to like generate mine bitcoin or something <laughs> ridiculous dude it's nuts uh i know you're you're just a dude from the sticks and the internet's a freaky place freaky place or anything it's just... no i'm not sitting here claiming i know what i'm talking about either yeah. i'm just like here's my understanding of what an nft is uh but the part where it's it's a people are making pictures and selling them i understand art i understand digital art and i understand paying someone for such a thing uh, uh an edit or something that they you've commissioned them but the part where this has go just gone to the astronomical scale of thousands and thousands of dollars like it's really hard to wrap your mind around uh just like call of duty war zones uh, qa workers continuing their walkout in a protest of layoffs as a ton of people were let go from their qa team which is like, always a good public look when it's just like is there, is there anything wrong with the game why are you firing all your qa people uh we, we ran out of time i was going to go through the game awards stuff Oh, I'm so disappointed. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I know. We've already kind of picked our game of the year, which of this list would be Resident Evil 8. Uh, also on this list is Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart. Um, just to speak really briefly on the Game Awards. So Jeff Keighley got some heat at the end of last week. I was telling you about this because the Game Awards basically announced that they're not going to acknowledge the Activision blizzard situation at all obviously activision blizzard have their fingers in the game awards they have guys on the board of the game awards and you probably don't want to be part of a show where they're like yeah we're just going to take a moment during the show to be like 
uh, Activision Blizzard are like awful. You know, they deserve what's coming to them, and the, this is like a, a blah, 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 blah. so obviously the idea would be like we'll just we'll just be neutral. We'll just be blah blah. blah. Well, here's the thing: you Jeff can't Lee. be neutral anymore. Well, here's the thing: is that like okay? So take the politics out of games. Take the there if, is no. A, I'm not saying there has to be politics in games, but. He, this isn't. He, he called out Konami for being shitty, right? And the and point they, is, is this is not politics. This is like this is the actual. What is the word I'm looking for? The culture. This is human yeah. resources. Like. So this show, uh, in Jeff's own words, would be like we're we're doing it for change. We're we're a big proponent is just like women in the industry and like highlighting them and what what you know historically what have they done? What's their contributions? And every year doing this. And then the number one thing in the video game industry culture right now is Activision Blizzard shitty to females is, is, is and that, you do nothing about it. And it's not just Activision Blizzard, right? Ubisoft's got some problems going on. All these companies have got dirty laundry to air. And the idea that you want to be this this beacon, this cheerleader, you have this giant plot. Fucking tens of millions of people watch this thing now. So obviously, yes, you don't want your lead advertisers to be fucking dragged through the mud on this show. But at the same time, you cannot turn around and say you are a show for change. You are a show that is culturally aware and decide that you're not going to mention the number one Yeah, thing. Konami has done lots of shitty things. They did not sure. sexually yeah. harass their female workers. They just don't have any female workers. Yeah, out of that's the building. They, yeah, that's how they so, do it. So in my uh, opinion, besides all the things you... You presented, which are very good points. Yeah. Um, which you are can't very, be both. Yeah, which are I'm very, saying. very good yeah. points. Because it's not political. This yeah. is just human-based thing. Um, you can't call out Konami for mistreating a single person in, in Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Even if he's your friend. Even if he's your friend. Yeah. And then not say anything about Activision yeah. Blizzard because they gave you a little bit of money uh, when they have done way worse things. Uh, in a very gross manner yes. to people of the opposite gender who did not want that to happen to them. It's the hypocrisy of it. Obviously, if we were looking at who has done more for the video games industry and getting it in front of the casual person or or uh, who, who's been the exemplar, the, the guard on the gates of video games, and it's been Jeff Keighley. Yeah, he's That's al- why it's so disappointing yeah, to hear him. Yeah, he's always presented himself yeah. as having a high moral standard yes. and always having a line he wouldn't cross and everything like that. And this fell across the line. It felt like he got bought out. Like, yes. like Activision Blizzard is like, if you talk shit, we won't give you money. And Jeff Keighley is like, well, I really want to do my show. So yeah. it's like... Yeah. I, it's like you I get it's a tough choice but you either stand by your moral ground and be like no if I really am a proponent for change I'm going to cancel my show I'm going to give my money back to all the sponsors and I'll t- tell people on Twitter the truth that Activision Blizzard didn't want me to say anything and I wanted to and then everybody would take well that's what everybody's reading between the lines right it's just like if you don't uh, yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's rough uh, it's rough for him who's trying to do this this big show again this dude we should like he should be somewhere in the rafters and no he's presenting he's hyping it he's the person that's like doing all the putting this together uh but he did deserve that little bit of a slap on the wrist for just like how do you bring it up tastefully read i don't know that's not my it's job. very easy in yeah. between segments you go uh like in between awards i like to present something serious to the gaming community as a whole well, people this- think the the presenters like if you go and do a speech people think those people are going to bring it up yeah, and it's like this past year we've had a lot of rapid change. A lot of things come to light in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. We're here to hi- yeah, we're here to hi- yeah, we're here yeah. to highlight change and and uh, nothing but positive energy here at the Game Awards. We wanted to let everybody know that 2022 we're going to do our best to make sure it's an inclusive, welcoming environment to yeah. all genders, sexes, religions, everything like that. 
it doesn't have to be like Ubisoft and Activision can suck it and a bunch of assholes. <laughs> But it can be like, we obviously know that there's a bunch of shit wrong in the game. Acknowledge the elephant in the room. And we want to be a part of that change. And we're acknowledging it. That's all you had to fucking say. Wow. What a note to go out on. At Iceberg Podcast is us on uh, Twitter. LeahTissyIceberg.com is my email address. Send us questions, topics. Send us your gamer crimes. Uh, you know, there's there's more obvious ones like be given the uh, third party controller or eating some Cheetos <laughs> and immediately picking up a controller. Come on, man, you gotta you gotta fucking t- you gotta take care of that. That's not that's not good. We want to have those controllers around for years, right? Yeah. You ever get a beer spilled on your controller? Sucks. Uh, anyways, that's gonna be it for the show. Uh, I don't know if we'll be back on the weekend or next week, but thank you as always for for staying tuned. Uh, that being said, the Game Awards, of course, does bring the hype with the announcements. There will be plenty of world premiere trailers tomorrow night. So either watch the show or boycott it and just look for all the uh, announcements afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it should be it should be as spectacular as it always is. So Jeff Keeley, uh, make better decisions next time. There's always time uh, to pivot and and show us that this is important to you. And not just when it's important to the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. Thanks for signing up for uh, for myself and Reed. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>